recording. Oh, and then my dog decides to jump off the couch. That's great. Um, Is it still the same dog? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Snoopy? Yeah, Snoopy. Oh, yes, I got it right. Okay. I remember Snoopy. All right, awesome. Okay. Uh, all right, so three, three, two, three, cat down. Okay. All right, three, two, one. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Jay Kim's Topic. I'm your host, Jay Kim, and it's been a minute since I've done an episode on this podcast, but today is a special episode with uh, a good friend of mine and a host of her own respective podcast, Rose Podcast, that you could find at Rose Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, here's Roa. Hey, Roa. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm all right. Um, so everyone listening, this conversation will just kind of be a open-ended conversation, I guess. Nothing in particular. Maybe we'll, we'll be tackling mostly on the themes of being Korean-Canadian specifically. But um, but yeah, so how, how do you feel about racism? Um, <laughs> oh my God. That's really how we're going to start. Racism? Racism sucks. That's how I feel about racism. But um. um but I guess the first question, I mean, remind me, were you born here or were you born in Korea? I was born in Korea and I moved to Canada when I was six years old. So I did spend the majority of my life in Canada. Was it Montreal first or did you go to like another city before? I We landed in Ottawa. We stayed there for a year mm-hmm. and then my dad was job hunting for some time and he got a job in Montreal. So that's Mm. basically why we moved. So yeah. What about you, Jason? Were you born here? Yeah. uh, You were born here. Oh shit. (laughs) I think, but that's, that's the thing. It's um, the amount of Korean people born in Montreal is not a lot. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Especially of my generation, there wasn't a lot and there was much fewer like those born in the eighties. So yeah, I was born here. Um, you know, I think my experience is like most immigrants or second gen or first gen immigrants to Montreal is kind of like um, a constant identity crisis, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you I felt mean, that. But do yeah. you still feel that now? Um, I mean, like I'm 28, so I feel like I'm growing into myself as a person. I'm, I think I'm really trying to figure myself out. But I mm-hmm. think for the longest of time, I've always struggled with um, Anglophone and Francophone. Like... Uh, I don't know about you, but like I was raised Anglophone for sure. But my all my friends went to French school, and I was more connected culturally to the French side than the English side. Really? Yeah, at, le- at least with me, and in some aspects. And then things changed because I went to English high school, and I don't know, it, it all got muddied. Oh, I see. So, well, you know what? I was thinking we should. St- why don't you tell the listeners how we met? Let's yeah, start there. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we met at Marinopolis. Uh, at Sejep, when was this? 2010, 2011? 20, it? yeah, 2010, 2011, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, we met years ago and we met through. Um, <laughs> such good times. <laughs> I know, such easier times. Uh, we met through Hallyu, right? We met through, yeah, we met through Hallyu. Well, okay, so well, I don't, I mean, I don't remember exactly the first time we met Mm -hmm. but i got integrated into this asian circle yeah um 2010 2011 because of hallyu were you technically a part of hallyu or were you just friends Uh, with everyone there a bit of both Uh, so i was 
I I was already friends with all the Korean people because we all know each other through soccer and churches. So there was that. Oh, guy. that's right. I already I already knew who they were, and they wanted me to do Hallyu, and because they were older than me, they're doing all that young shit on me. They're like, "Yo, you know, you better do this and that. Do Hallyu. We need dancers." And I'm like, "I really don't want to do this. I, I don't want to." <laughs> the do peer pressure. Yeah, they peer pressure me. Okay. And then I came up with some bullshit saying, "Oh, you know what? Like, I can't make the practice. I'm feeling sick, or like." You're feeling sick for yeah. six months, Jason. <laughs> no, 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 for this one practice, for this one practice, because I always told him, I always told, I always told those guys saying, um. They're like, okay, so do you want to do how do you 100% yes or no? And I was always on the fence. Mm. And then I finally said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to commit to this. I'd rather, I'd rather do something else. And um, Okay. And yeah. Well, I I joined Hallyu and I was relatively, I was very new to the group. Like I didn't know anyone there. Yeah. Because I don't play soccer, <laughs> nor do I attend church. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and I didn't hang out with uh, the Asian groups or the Korean groups during my first year mm. and so i didn't know those hyungs that you're yeah. referring to because them and myself we were in the same grade yeah. um and so yeah i didn't know them during my first year and i joined the club and then i that was a very eye-opening experience <laughs> for me Why? because i didn't have any korean friends before that well i guess that's not technically true i had a couple but we were never like friends friends in high school i knew a couple of korean people but we never really hung out outside of school Mm. or inside of school we just had a few classes together so we were like classmates and we were friendly we would work together but we weren't friends friends and then when i met the the koreans in hallyu that was a huge shift for me in my life because I got to like it I don't think anyone who doesn't who hasn't connected to their roots I don't think I can explain to them just how different it is to connect with your own uh people of your own ethnicity right it's just it's a completely different world and I don't know if you felt that too I mean you've you're, so you felt that specifically to Hallyu, essentially? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was when I had made Korean friends at all. Sure. Yeah. Because I remember the first time I met you, I think, like, when we our first real conversation, you were telling me, like, I don't like uh, being around this, like, Asian community in Marinopolis. Did I say that? You said something to that. Oh, my God. No, it's not that you didn't like. It's just that you kept saying, like, I tend to keep it arm's length for whatever reason. I just felt like you were just being hipster and different or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know, but I remember that because I thought that was funny. I was like, I, because to me it was, I wasn't, I didn't go to Marinopolis for the Asian community. I just went there to go to school. Like, I didn't think of, uh-huh. I didn't think the social aspect, right? And then it just sort of happened. I was like, oh, it's fun. Uh, you know, I make good friends. I'm still friends with a lot, a lot of these people are now my best friends. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, that's so cool that I said that. I'm not, I'm surprised, but also I can kind of imagine my state yeah. of mind because it was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is something we'll probably talk about, um, during this episode, but I definitely didn't identify, like I would call myself whitewashed for Mm -hmm. sure, 
for the longest time, like yeah. during my childhood. And like, it was basically the world of the whitewash versus the world of fobs. Mm. And I was like, I'm not a fob, you know, that kind yeah. of feeling. And so I got integrated into this group and it was so full on Korean. Although like for real, like Koreans in Korea for them, like yeah. we here are probably kind of a mix yeah. but for me they were so so korean we would always talk in korean and talk yeah. about korean stuff and do korean drinking games or whatever you know <laughs> and so it was so korean for me and yeah i guess i can imagine my state of mind back then being like whoa this is so different and i'm not really one of them yeah i remember it's funny because when i think back at those days everyone spoke to me in english and like everyone spoke to each other in Korean and I can still participate in a conversation because I would understand, but mm -hmm. they'd always speak to me in English. And I remember uh, other Asian people thought I was Chinese for that reason. Okay. So they're like, oh, are, well, like we thought you were Chinese. And I was like, no, I'm Korean. I just, my Korean sucks. And <laughs> <laughs> I think some of them started teasing me saying, or Chinese are not Koreans better than you, than yours. I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. You, all you do is consume like K-pop and K-drama. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't, but I never really considered my Koreanness until I got into high school because like my entire childhood, no one knew what Korea was or that's right. where it was. They knew yeah. about North Korea, but knew nothing about South Korea. And it's like, yeah. So they it, like, you know, like at the time, my entire life has always been now you're Filipino, Chinese, Japanese, Thai, Vietnamese, Cambodian. I got everything, a native American. Someone thought I was like half native or something. And, that's uh, very specific yeah yeah it was um, half native yeah it was really it was uh, well, to be fair we had a bar so the person was probably drunk and not really thinking straight but it was you know i got like i got a lot of those things and mm -hmm. i think the one time i felt very korean was at soccer i think but even oh, okay but even at soccer i never i never felt very korean you know what i mean like i never mm -hmm. like you said you had this connection to uh you know to, to the Korean culture through Hallyu and, and whatnot. Um, my connection to it was more from not even church. It was, um, it was on my own when I was just started listening to more traditional Korean music, what it was like, you know, and doing my own research about Korea. And that's where actually, sorry, I, I'm jumping from thought to thought, but remember Remember, there's a time. There's a time in Marianopolis where all the Korean people would say, "What kind of Kim are you?" Or what you know, your fan, your cast based on your family last name. Mm -hmm. And um, one of our friends said he's royalty, and another one said they're from like the merchant class or whatever. And then they asked me, and this is, I think, this is the one genuine moment where I've connected to like the Koreanness. I was like, I don't know. I never, I never realized that was a thing. So I went back home and I asked my dad, and my dad was like. Oh yeah, we're descendants of of uh, slaves and farmers. That's our cast, slaves and farmers. And I thought, fuck, I, I can't tell those guys tomorrow. What <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell them. They just, they just started flexing, saying they're royalty and merchants. I can't go there and be like, I'm a slave farmer. And then, do you know what happened the next day? I go the next day and I say, hey guys, I learned that I'm a descendant of slaves and farmers. And then they started making me do things around the Asian lounge. They're like, hey, clean this table, do this, do that. Oh. <laughs> these fucking guys <laughs> oh man They're, yeah oh man but i didn't was, know that was a thing yeah but it was so funny because despite the fact that it's slaves and farmers i found it so empowering to know that i'm a descendant of those kind of people mm -hmm. because we're survivalists we survived we made it although like although my immediate family history in the past is not of slaves and farmers but you know it's 
it's an endearing thing. And then your entire life, my dad, my my dad, my entire life was telling me uh, we're descendants of Genghis Khan too. So I'm like, I don't contest that because you never really know. But it's um, a but lot yeah. of us are probably. Yeah, I think there's an actual number out there. Yeah, no, but it's interesting that you bring that up. It really brings me back. Oh my god, yeah. I don't know how long that period of reluctance lasted for me. But they were so accepting of me. Same, same with me. Yeah. And so that's why I think I was like, whoa, this is really nice and this is really fun and I want to be around these people. But for sure, I think there was a part of me that sometimes just wanted to hang out with you or David. Because we're more like half-half, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think among us three, we understood each other the best. Because yeah, I, I think we all just grew up in very similar circumstances. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we were closest to each other on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I remember after a certain amount of time, I don't know if it was you or David, but after hanging out with the Koreans yeah. for a couple of months, you guys are telling me how Korean I turned. Yeah, no, that <laughs> yeah. was very true. We kicked you out yeah. of the group. Yes! You've converted to a fob, unbelievable. Yeah, I did. And like, cause I would, I would just hang out with them like almost every day in yeah. the lounge. And we would all like skip class to hang out with each other. That's it was so to that true. extent. And so my Korean, the language itself, my Korean improved a lot. Mm. And so I would start speaking Korean a lot, which was never a thing for me, not only because I didn't have Korean friends, but also growing up, like, even let's say I would be out with some of my family members. Like sometimes we, I'm sure you had this too in elementary school. We have these like events, like a barbecue or whatever, um, where families would come. And I would never speak Korean when my non-Korean or non-Asian friends were around, you know? Um, It was just like a weird thing where like I would never speak Korean around other people except for my family or whenever I was with my friends and like my mom would call, I would take the call somewhere else because I would be speaking Korean with her, you know? And so it was a huge shift where I felt comfortable speaking Korean in public because my friends were speaking Korean in public and I had gained that confidence. And so that built up to the point where you guys kicked me out. Because we would always speak in English, you and I and David, you know? Uh, You're like, you're too Korean, Roa. Like, obviously jokingly, but like, actually, though, I was speaking Korean a lot. Oh, I, when I hear from your perspective, you're like, finally, I've come out of the closet and like, I'm like a proud Korean. I finally have accepted it. And then your two closest Korean friends are like, yeah, you can fuck off now. Like, we don't want to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible people. I mean, you know what's funny was, um, okay, so, but then, what caused it? Was there a causation that made you not want to speak Korean uh, or wanting to have to speak or let me rephrase that motivating you to speak Korean privately to your mom instead of just speaking in open to your friends, to your non-Korean friends? I just didn't want people to comment on it. Uh, you know, it was a slight, it was like, I definitely wouldn't admit it to myself back then, but it was definitely a sort of feeling of embarrassment mm where me speaking another language, um, 
it wasn't, I don't even think I was aware that it had anything to do with being Asian specifically, but just because it was different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't want anyone to comment on it. Hmm. And so I just didn't, didn't speak Korean in front of my friends, or if I had to, like, I would speak really quietly. <laughs> It's, uh, that's interesting. I, I think, I, you know, like when I think about when I was growing up, it was, I, I've been asked a lot from Korean people that they asked me, why is my Korean not as strong as, uh, let's say, as someone else who was born in Montreal, but the Korean is much stronger than mine. Mm-hmm. And I really thought about that a lot. And I've been thinking about that even today. I still think about it just as like, you know, just, just wondering, not like, it's not like, you know, keeping me from sleeping or anything, but I realized that I just wasn't exposed to anything Korean and the things that I was exposed to that was Korean. I didn't find it interesting because mm-hmm. the Korean community in Montreal is very old school, especially the church community. And that never really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I, I, I don't take rules as well. Um, I don't like being told what to do by uh, those who I don't recognize as, a, as an authority figure. And in Korean culture, everyone older than you is an immediately an authority figure. So for right. me, that was highly problematic. Like I would, I mean, there's, there's times when some older people in my church probably had every right to kick my ass at that spot because I was just like, no, I don't no Fuck off. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. But I wasn't so overt. I was just very passive aggressive about it. But it, I've always um, had a resentment towards Korean at that aspect of Korean culture. And I think that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I never really want to speak Korean because uh, you don't incentivize me. There's no, re- I like, if you're going to talk to me in that way, in that language too, it, no, um, no, thank you. But It, I, but then again, there's probably some underlying trauma that I, I've buried that I don't even know that it happened. But yeah. sure, I mean, I don't know where that embarrassment even comes from. Yeah. I think it might just be simply wanting to fit in slash wanting to be not different because mm. I I was exposed to a lot of Korean culture, especially pop culture in my house because I have two older siblings and. I think that had a very big influence as in whatever music they listen to, I listen to whatever shows they watch, I watch. So I would watch, you know, some K dramas or K variety shows and I would Mm -hmm. listen to K pop and other Korean music. And so I grew up very much exposed to that stuff. What I'm curious is what do you, do you speak Korean at home? Yeah. I mean, it's my mom, but it's like, it's kind of childish because I, I think that's when I really, I stopped speaking Korean. I stopped progressing in Korean. I think when I was like 10 or 12. So I think it's just kind of stuck there. Jason, you went to Korean school. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So I, I did, um, I mm-hmm. cheated halfway through all the Korean school. Uh, dude, like I, I'm not going to study for Jeez. that. And like, like, no, it's not my fault. My parents signed me up for, you know, English tutor, French tutor, swimming lessons. Soccer, oh really? Oh yeah. That's church, Korean school. I've been doing seven or eight extracurricular activities throughout the year. Oh my God. Do you, like, do you understand why I, um, have issues with authority figure because <laughs> i keep like getting switched over to 70 different tutors <laughs> oh my god that's and a i lot. keep being forced to do things i don't want to do and mm-hmm. it's the only thing that like i hated playing um i hated playing soccer for that reason 
because I didn't <gasps> really? want to. Yeah, as a kid, I hated it because I was forced to play it. Okay. And, but I only, I only discovered this when I was doing my Soccer Pilgrim podcast, when I was like talking about it, that the reason why I fell in love with soccer was because I was surrounded by people in high school who genuinely love soccer. It was never a thing that you have to do on Saturday because dad told you to do it. Mm-hmm. It became a thing of let's do it because it's fun. And mm-hmm. that's how I fell in love with it. And I haven't really had that moment with Korean yet or Korean-ness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question initially? <laughs> <laughs> I said you went to Korean school. Oh, yeah, what right. You, what uh, did you do there? But yeah, no, I sort of under... Like, I did <laughs> nothing. You did nothing. I had no extracurricular activities. I didn't go to Korean school. Interesting. Um, like, I had no... I think I had a French tutor when I was really, really young. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I didn't know how to speak French. Yeah. But that was it, really. So I don't think I was... I went through that kind of phase that you did where just a bunch of authority figures trying to teach you stuff and rebelling. Like I never went through that. Yeah. I think that's why I always liked tattoos ever since in high school. Cause I always is like the ultimate, um, subversion or under my, it is, isn't it? Know? Yeah. Do you have tattoos? How many tattoos do you have? Oh, um, one, two, five, six, uh, two of them are pretty big wait did i like there's this big one right whoa did i ever see that i don't even remember no. uh for obviously listeners i have a huge tattoo on my forearm and it's two of the trigrams on a korean flag uh the one is earth and water trigrams that i've tattooed around my arm pretty thick it's about 15 centimeters i would say or maybe less i don't know but yeah um the reason why I got that is because I was trying to compensate for my lack of Koreanness. Mm. And I got those two trigrams because that's what my Korean name means, earth and water. Oh, it is. Yeah. Earth and yeah. Water. yeah. Oh, um, and I, I looked into it. And, well, according to my dad, he said in Confucian, interpretation of Confucian philosophy is uh, earth and water, when you mix those two elements together, it, it means that you have a person that cares a lot about nature that has a lot of respect for nature because earth and water they, they don't change you have to respect it for what it is and um they just endear or endure yeah so i always i, I always took that to heart i was like i really love that name now like whenever people made fun of it saying oh it's a girl's name i'm like yeah but it's a fucking good girl's name so whatever oh i used to say that too <laughs> <laughs> you're like no it's gender neutral <laughs> I was, I was so progressive back then wow <laughs> but no honestly my name is very very masculine so Roa? there you go no not roa my oh, yeah. korean name what's your korean name again Yongbin. oh yeah anything with young it, it sounds very masculine very masculine yeah uh <laughs> i remember um in marinopolis i would translate all the korean names into french <laughs> like young duck okay. young duck was jeune canard oh yeah <laughs> young bin would be um a jeune poubelle like a bin yeah <laughs> yeah like poubelle. a re- recycle bin that's a little harsh but i accept because <laughs> whatever uh, that's you know that's what happened you grow up with kebs when you grow up mm-hmm. with kimiko people they'll they'll do stuff like that but wait, um, on a side, you went to a French high school? No. No, English high school. Did you yeah. go to a French elementary school? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, okay. But it was, um, it was interesting because it was a mix of, it was, it was like half the school was born in Quebec, but the other half were like first or second gen immigrants 
And it was uh-huh. like, it was a really interesting blend because everybody spoke English and French kind of perfectly. And it was, um, it was a really cool environment. But it was funny because most of the Koreans I went there went to a class accueil. Like, um, I guess translate accueil would be uh, how can welcoming you... class or something. Yeah, like that. welcoming class uh, to speed you up on the language, I guess. And all the Koreans at the time didn't speak any English, only spoke French at the end of it. And it was it was funny because even even for me because most Koreans I knew spoke English and to see them only speak French I'm like oh that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's strange to see. Yeah, and, yeah, we don't see that every sorry, day. But random story. I remember I was in Brussels once and I saw this like Boy Scouts in like in Brussels and they're all speaking Flemish, and there was like five uh, white boys, blonde hair, blue eyes, and there was one Asian guy that kind of looked a lot like me, and he was speaking perfect Flemish and like perfect Dutch. And I remember just seeing that I was like is that how I look like when I speak perfect English? And it's like, is that, is, is that weird? <laughs> hey, <laughs> or maybe. I, or when I speak in French, I was like, is that what it looks like? Like, holy shit. Okay, I get why it's kind of a cool thing now. But like, you know, he spoke perfect Flemish. It was, you know, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Or, or Dutch or whatever it was. So let me ask you a question. Um, did you at any point try to fit in? Okay, let me rephrase that. I'm thinking of ways to phrase it so you can answer with things that you didn't talk about yet. No, it doesn't matter. Just, just okay. Go for it. Okay. Did you at any point want to fit in with your white friends yeah. and reject your Asianness? No. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't reject. I think it was suppress a little bit. Okay. Because um, it's an undeniable fact that I'm Asian. Like I only, I'm always reminded that I'm Asian by everyone else. I don't think about my Asianness until I step out the door. Mm-hmm. And I think at an early age, I just had to accept the fact that you're Asian. That's mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? Like it's, like it was like a, it's like one of those identity crises that a lot of people go through, and. Um, I think I was just lucky to find white friends that accepted me for who I was. Mm-hmm. And they like, whenever they would tease me, I would feel comfortable because I could tease them back. And mm-hmm. they weren't just like regular white people. They were like Italians and Portuguese. So it made things uh, far more interesting, growing, uh, you know, kind of growing <laughs> up as a young man. But, but I mean, it sounds, but it seems like you were doing something like that. Were you, wait, were you rejecting your Korean or were you surprised? pressing it or hiding it i think i was very korean at home Hmm. and then at school i wouldn't really mix the two cultures like i would never talk about Hmm. the k-dramas that i was watching because no one freaking knew (laughs) what the hell i would be talking about and back when we were in high school like k-pop wasn't huge here it was very rare to find other k-pop fans and so there wasn't this desire to be like hey do you listen to k-pop like literally no one listened to k-pop at my high school and so i would never talk about it like i was saying before i would never speak the language um i mean i was trying to fit in like any other kid, mm-hmm. but I never told myself that I was trying to be white. I think I was trying to be white in a way that's like, I was trying to be white because everyone was white. Like I was just uh, trying to be like everyone else. Yeah. I didn't have that many Asian friends or Asian people in my school period. You know, there was only a handful of us. Did you go to English and so school or French school? I went to a French school. It was like a very average public french high school 
Felix Leclerc, it's in the oh, West Island. Yeah, I know it, yeah. So, I mean, there were, I wouldn't say, it, it was definitely majority white. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were still a lot of immigrants, like mm-hmm. other POCs, but I think Asians, we were maybe, I only knew of like 10 total. Oh. Um, that's like max. <laughs> so, I was trying to fit in, and I guess that, is sort of synonymous with I was trying to be like the white kids. Yeah. Um, but then in, I think in sec five, which is uh, grade 11, that's when I really started hanging out with other Asian people. Cause before that I knew of their existence, but we didn't really hang out. I knew of their existence. <laughs> yes. Um, in sec five, this is literally, this is why, okay. It's very contextual because, you know, in yeah. sec five, we get into these different levels of science and math. Right. And so all the Asians gathered in oh the high God. level math and no science. Shit. So we were all together. And so I got to spend more time with them, <laughs> hang with them. And I could call them my friends at that point because we had many classes together. So that's when I really enjoyed being with other Asian people. Mm-hmm. And that also transitioned into Sejap. So that's really when I started being happy about being Asian and like wanting other Asian friends. Not that I didn't like my white friends from high school. Like yeah. they're fine. I like them. I like them a lot, but it's a little different when it's Asian. And especially if they're Korean, it's a little different. I think, like, especially now that everything Korean seems to be so popular nowadays. Um, I love it. Oh, you love it? Okay, that was my yes. question. How do you feel about, like, all these, like, Korean restaurants and, like, this 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 fad that's happening with Koreanness? Well, okay. So, first of all, with Korean restaurants, here specifically, Montreal, it still kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, not speaking about all of them, but there are just not that many still yet. We're not a big community here in Montreal. there's yeah there's not a lot of us here so there's that but but all over the world with you know you know rise of k-pop k-drama but also what i'm really in love with is k-beauty slash k-skincare i think we're freaking killing it and it makes me really really happy like the fact that a lot of other people recognize Korea for being this like sort of cool, also like high quality, like all those good, good things associated rather than anything like, you know, sort of stereotypical or bad. I think I just, I don't know how I feel. I I think part of me, I think I'm inherently kind of an angry person a little bit. Uh, Jason. Oh, okay. No, listen, hear me, hear me out. Um, uh, no, I have no excuse, but like, it's no, it's just like, I'm not like genuinely angry. It's just, I think more annoyed because I'm the kind of guy that if you're going to be introduced to something, it has to be right. If, if, if it's wrong and it has to, that wrongness needs to be part of the genuine experience that when things go wrong, that's just a part of it. But when it comes to Korean food and I, I don't know. I guess for me, it was that I want the first impression to hit with a bang. And I don't, and I feel like people are getting the wrong impression here because they go to Seoul Chaco and they think that's authentic Korean barbecue. But I'm like, that's, okay, but it's not though. It's not. And I, <laughs> they're like, a lot, of my, a lot of my friends would come up to me. They're like, oh, I love Seoul Chaco. Korean barbecue is amazing. Seoul Chaco, Seoul Chaco. And then I'm there saying, if you think that's good, you have no idea what's ahead of you. Like, you just, you just told me that 
I can't say McDonald's because McDonald's has a lot of money to make their burgers forever good. It's like saying going to, you went to Harvey's or Burger King and saying, this is the greatest burger you've ever tasted. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> it, it annoys me. I'm like, no. And anyway, it's, it is what it is, but it's growing. Uh, notoriety is spreading. More people are shopping at Korean businesses and restaurants. So it's, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. really good. And yeah. Like Montreal has always been lagging behind uh, other cities mm-hmm. when it comes to certain ethnic groups, you know, like if you look at the Moroccan Algerian community here, it's, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of any other, com- almost any other community, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. We are, we are lagging behind. Also, we're just not that many. Like I said, mm-hmm. I mean, you go to LA K town. Have you been? I've been it's huge. to LA. Kate. Oh my it's god! It's huge. <laughs> I am in love with that place because <laughs> I spent I spent three months in Pasadena. So yeah, right. I remember that. Okay. Every weekend or almost every weekend, I would go to Cape Town and go like I would search up whatever food I wanted that week, and I would find the restaurant with the highest review, and I would go there. The mm. food is actually oh, very, very, very good there. <laughs> It's, it's unfair yes yeah but there i mean how many koreans are there in la like oh, a lot like a million a of them yeah but there's also a lot a lot of homeless people there so anyway uh, yeah. <laughs> no but think about it like the, the way i look at k-town la is how i i described this to, to some of my italian friends it's like how the italian americans might look at brooklyn in that sense where it's like the old, you know, very old Italian community has been in that part of New York for a long time. Some of the best pizza restaurants are there. I mm-hmm. mean, that's where pizza was pretty much reinvented. And that's how I see K-Town LA. I was like, if you want to understand the epitome of, I guess, Korean North American culture or just Korean Kyopo culture, you have to go to LA. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's there. It, it, like it's, I like when I went, it was the first time I seen Korean people well, full sleeve tattoos and just walking around openly. I've never seen that before. And that was That's in, true. I've and, never seen that. And that was in 2012. That was like, you know, like mm-hmm. nine years ago. That wasn't that wasn't oh too long God. ago. Yeah. Oh fuck, it's already been nine years. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, Ten years ago? What? You know. Um Okay, let me ask you another question. Yeah, go. When did you become woke? Woke? <laughs> like a like caught like sort of like woke with quotation marks oh. let's say just aware of, of um like racism first of all mm. and anti-asian and oh, yeah. something like um you know recently i don't know how recent this was because i have no concept of time anymore but you had posted something on instagram and the caption included something like how you are the token Asian friend. Oh, yeah. That. So I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, Jason, I see. <laughs> I was, so when did yeah. that sort of come into your consciousness? Um, I like, I'm, I'm very, I mean, as you can tell, I self deprecate a lot. And I don't think it, I think I always knew, but I think I just really, I genuinely accepted that, I think, last year, two years ago. You're asking me. The reason why I had to ask you what you meant by woke is because a lot of people tend to use it a lot and it kind of got diluted what that what that means to me. Um, but I guess for me, it was, you know, when you grow up being reminded that you're Asian all the time and you grew up understanding how racism works at a very young age, 
uh, like, I mean, being an Asian kid in Quebec, it really sucked. It didn't matter what part of Montreal you're from, it didn't, didn't matter what part of Quebec you were from. It just, it sucked because people were going to make comments. Um, I'm not saying this as someone saying, oh, fuck white people. Like, I don't have that kind of hate. It's, it's, um, it's just a reality that people will be making comments. And it's not only, it's not only going to come from white people. It's going to come from other ethnicities. So for me, it's more of understanding that racism doesn't define you. You just have to accept the fact that you are an ethnic minority at POC. And at the same time, it's like for me, it's I can dispel racism. I believe that you can dispel racism by just having a normal conversation with someone, by humanizing each other. And I guess there wasn't a particular age where I was woke. I just always understood that there's a ra there's a racism dynamic that exists in the society. And do you want to be a part of that problem or do you want to, you know, carve a, a better future for yourself and hopefully they'll create a reciprocal effect. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hoping for is I'll talk to anyone. I don't care. I just, I, I want you to know that I'm a nice person. That's kind of my yearning is that I want you to recognize me as a nice person who means well. You're a nice person. No, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, that's, that's the thing is it's like, um, but I think the, I think the problem with me is that I kind of have a resting bitch face. I think that's my issue. Me too. Okay. But I, I love, <laughs> I love my resting bitch face. I love uh, my blank face. Yes. Like, I, I, I don't know, but it's, um, that's interesting. And I mean, for me, I would say I would describe my upbringing pretty different from what you just described really? because I didn't always know racism was a thing. Really? And I never brought it up to my consciousness like, oh, I'm a visible minority and this thing called racism exists. And I just didn't think about it. And I would be one of those people who would tell you like i didn't experience any racism like i would be one really? of those people yes because i don't as much as i try to remember i don't remember anyone like calling me a chink or like doing the slit eyes at me or like making fun of asian stereotypes yeah. or whatever like i maybe someone did but i don't remember mm. growing up and i this only came to my attention because I was listening to other people talk about their experiences. Right. And I was like, at, at a certain point, I was like, it is literally impossible that I didn't go through that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I just didn't process it. Interesting. You know, I am very good at ignoring things uh. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> and I'm really good at purposely not paying attention to my surroundings and okay. blocking things out. I don't know where that comes from. I genuinely don't know why I do that. And I also, like you were saying, I also have a certain, I wouldn't say bitch face, but like not, I don't always have a happy face on. I don't like to smile for the sake of smiling. And I do that with a certain amount of purpose. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want people to think I'm doing I'm like happy when I'm just like whatever. Yeah. You know? I so I do that and I ignore my surroundings. And so I became quote unquote woke mm -hmm. very recently, like in the last two years. No, oh, interesting. Where I realized like there is such a thing as microaggression yeah. and like, what is racism? What is racial prejudice or discrimination? Like what is all of that? And that was very, very recent for me. Like I didn't know that existed. And what made you come to that realization? 
So I had made friends with one person who was very woke about that and would like, he was also just recently coming into you know, terms with his position, him as an Asian and how other people would treat him. But the difference between um, him and me was that he grew up with certain very obvious racially charged traumatic experiences. Mm. And so that was always sort of in his mind and he was trying to come to terms with it. And um, I guess for him by now, it's been like four or five years uh, since he realized what was going on. And so me becoming friends with him, um, he would tell me about his experiences. And then I was like, oh, shit, like I didn't like I would just not pay attention. And then coming on line with my podcast and everything and connected with other Asian Americans or other Asian hyphen something, Mm -hmm. um, they would have very, very similar, if not exactly the same experiences. And I was like, this is actually real. (laughs) And I don't know where my brain was, but it's literally impossible that I didn't go through that. Maybe you have the gift of ignorance is bliss. Like David had I really do. I think (laughs) I do. (laughs) It's I oh man, because um when I, when I think about, I think I was always like, it, it, like it still kind of not bothers me, but it, I'm still not used to the idea that Koreans are cool now. It still hasn't really registered in my mind because for long as a time, like I said earlier, like no one knew anything about being Korean. Yeah. And and now everyone's asking me all these questions about being Korean, and I'm just like, oh fuck, you asked the wrong guy. Like I'm just like. <laughs> Like, if you want historical facts, I could probably give you some. But if you want, like, K-pop recommendations or K-drama recommendations, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not your guy. But but I, I honestly find it interesting that, you find that you've only kind of realized all these things the last two years. And since then, have you noticed microaggressions or what have you against you? That's a really good question. Again, no, I don't know. What the hell is wrong with me? But there are those like (laughs) very typical ones like, you know, people asking you where you're from or um, things like, oh, your English is really good. I don't think any I don't remember anyone ever saying those things to me. Oh, I got those all the time. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, never. Well, maybe the English thing, like, you're so good, your English is so good. But maybe that was when I was, like, much younger. Um, recently? No. I probably, most definitely, still have a lot of learning to do about these yeah. microaggressions and, like, those kinds of dynamics. But... Yeah, I don't know. That's one thing, but also like the ignorance is one thing, but also I surround myself with other Asians. Yeah, true. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. I... So they wouldn't say that to me. <laughs> Imagine they would. Because we're in the same boat. Um, <laughs> oh, but there is also... <laughs> There's also another thing that this friend had told me about, which is self-hating Asians, how this is like a thing like there are enough of them that it's a thing that people talk about you know i um but it's like because the way i see it is the self-hate thing because i see a lot of things in nuance right and um i'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy and and i think recently with the whole you know pc wave and all that it's like it's there's been a a very big friction between stand-up comedy and this pc woke stuff 
And I think the reason why I I, I just see, I know this might go a little off tangent, but I think the reason why is because there's a lack of discussion on nuance. And online, you kind of see those nuances of self-hating Asian and an Asian comic that is addressing racial, like racism, let's say. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if an Asian, if an Asian stand-up comic goes up there and makes jokes about eating dogs, right, as an example, or like being a bad driver or whatever other stereotype, it's done so on purpose where it's saying we are addressing these stereotypes and I'm making fun of it because they're a ridiculous way of thinking. That's kind of what stand-up comedy is, is to help deal with the trauma of society essentially and they're self-hating asians and i've seen a few online i I think i just came across on instagram and i'm just like how did this happen like what happened uh like there's you know there's a term self-hating jew Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm just wondering is it the same thing or is it something different you know what i mean i think it's probably some you know nuance of the same thing of um I don't know. I, I, I'm just thinking out loud. I just don't understand. How does that happen? I mean, it's it's probably very complex and something I can't explain, yeah. but it definitely has something to do with um, the stereotype of the Asian or the, mm. um, how they paint us as the model minority that we don't, you know, there's always this sort of Asians wanting to fit in and be white or display whiteness mm. same time white people accepting us like there's the yeah. accepting and painting us as that model where oh like we can be considered one of them and so i think a lot of people play into like asians who are sort of between identities having an identity crisis surrounded by a lot of whiteness want to conform mm. and What was amazing to me was that self-hating Asians are, they're different, like female self-hating Asians and uh, male self-hating Asians are vastly different. Interesting. How so? Like, yeah. So the ultimate form, uh, and this was like slightly traumatic for me, the ultimate form of conforming female Asians who are self-hating is to marry a white guy. And this had been pointed out to me mm-hmm. um, because like, if you marry a white person, like you're definitely in that world, you know, and you have this like really pretty mixed baby or whatever. And at first I was like, okay, whatever. But like, if you look at the number of Asian female white male couples and the number of Asian male white female couples. Like, it's not a coincidence that the number of Asian female white male couples are probably, I think, the most frequent mixed like interracial relationship. Yeah, right. Whereas Asian males are always shown to be this sort of like non-masculine mm-hmm. kind of image. And so white girls, you know, are that. sort of driven away from Asian males. So the way, so self-hating, but it's very, very different where girls can be integrated, where guys cannot. But, <clears throat> but if you were to marry a non-Asian person, is that necessarily self-hating or is it just because... You just generally fell in love with someone who just turned out not to be Asian. 
So it's different if you're marrying a non-Asian, non-white person, I think, just because of the stats. Like, it's not a coincidence that so many uh, Asian girls want to ma- marry white guys. Like, it's genuinely baffling to me. I can't explain it really well because I don't fully understand it, but there's something there. I think. I think what it is is more like... I think there's also nuance in that. I I, 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 guess, I guess it comes down to like individual interviews. Is like, how do you do? You hate yourself for being Asian, or you know, whatever, and that's why you went with a white guy. But the way I see it is because I have I have family members who are married to white people, and to me, mm-hmm. it seems as um, you know, when you're born and raised in Canada, you you're you're taught to look at everyone else as an equal, and even if you're the ethnic minority, you're taught to see them as equal, and. I've heard some people who have this really strong disdain towards white people and all those things. And like, I get it if this comes from a place of trauma, but at the same time, I don't think that solves any issues. Uh, like I, like, why can't we just get along? You know what I mean? And why do we have mm-hmm. to, I'd like not to say that these elements of self-hate doesn't exist. It definitely does exist. I mean, you know, it's out there. I want to like, for me, I don't like the way I'm seeing it is that if I were to marry a white woman, I don't want someone to say like, Oh, he hates him. He's self-hating Asian. That's like, no, it's just that I genuinely love this woman, you know? And also living in, let's say Montreal, the majority of people are white. So the odds of me meeting a white person that I enjoy better is higher in terms of if you're going to go down to proportion, but I'm also the kind of guy that I don't care about your race. I care more about your personality. And I think I just think it's a tricky subject because there is a lot to this. There's a lot to explore and a lot to learn and a lot to um, figure out because it's very nuanced. I I think, mm-hmm. but the stats of but sorry to cut you off, but like the stats of more Asian women marrying eight like white men and less Asian men marrying white women. That is a stat I am very aware of and I knew about for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think I read some yeah. article. I think I read an article saying that Asian men actually have to make like X amount more money to beat the white guy in terms of getting the white girl. If you're gonna see it in in, that, in terms of race, which yeah, is- and yeah, like you were saying, it's very nuanced, it's very complex. Like I don't know all the interplays, yeah. but my point is there's something there, there's and something we there. shouldn't ignore it, and it. Mm obviously has a lot to do with the media like i know more and more asian americans are speaking out about representation um and how asian males are portrayed to look less masculine less attractive and that's why you know part of it is why there's so much resistance against k-pop because freaking i don't know about you but like (laughs) the males in k-pop okay yeah um that's the thing is that a lot of my white friends like is is every korean guy like that in korea i'm like no it's (laughs) there i was like the way well not all but it's common i mean are they all like that no but i mean the idols or like the the celebrities are like are in that position because they are more attractive yeah like they're in the business of being popular so they you know the more attractive they are the more popular they are so they are breaking this i mean people who are against k-pop who ain't on k-pop always make fun of the guys looking too feminine but like you look at all the girls who are literally crazy um over these people and so you know the super quote masculine non-asian people are like Mm -hmm the hell is going on <laughs> i yeah i just i think the best explanation is that different cultures have different masculine norm norms i guess different norms of masculinity mm-hmm. and korean tends to be 
it just tends to be different right like it's i remember i don't know it's hard like i mean it's growing up especially in korean churches the idea is that the ideal korean man was very much uh, it was very much old school you know breadwinner you have to be not only a physically fit person or try to be as fit as you can as a man but also spiritually fit and that was another thing and someone who would if the woman is a bear of a culture you're supposed to protect that and it's kind of that idea and so when i see this k-pop stuff and i'm like what the fuck is this <laughs> even for myself i'm like this is not <laughs> the same norms and values that i was raised with as a yeah as a Korean, you know, young Korean boy. Mm-hmm. And I see this and I'm like, am I supposed to wear makeup? Like what's, what's happening? Like, what is all of this? Am I supposed <laughs> to get surgery? And, um, but yeah, on the bright baffling. side is that more and more Westerners are visiting Korea and they're all coming back saying the same thing. We love it. It's the best. We loved it more to Japan. We loved it more than China. Like I've had a lot of white friends that went to Korea and they said they loved it more than Japan, which I'm like, that's a pretty big deal. Japan's an amazing country. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have like Korea has advanced incredibly quickly. Like, I don't know if you like, we were both children, so we mm-hmm. probably don't remember much, but in 98, they went through a huge rece- recession. Right. And then from that, they just, the progress that they have made is incredible in terms of technology and like you go there the one thing i want when i go there is just to like order food at 3 a.m you know because we can't freaking do that or like the internet is actually literally crazy and the services they provide like everything is just so so quick and efficient Mm. and there's a lot to admire there for sure yeah the one thing that i that i think korean I think the one thing that they have to change that hasn't adapted as quickly as this technology is definitely the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I've, I've, I've always heard these like horror stories of like work culture in Korea, where it's a lot of pressure, suicide rates are quite high, mental like mental health issues are you know through the roof in Korea, antidepressants are quite high, usage of antidepressants are quite high, alcoholism is incredibly high, and I kind of always had a joke where I said weed would solve a lot of those problems <laughs> like, <laughs> it really would a weed would solve it, a lot. yeah i think it might though <laughs> like you wouldn't but the I, th- I guess the pressure comes down to the the fundamentals of our culture which is you have to respect your elders and that's already a power dynamic and you know that some people don't do well with power and they just abuse it and it becomes mm-hmm. kind of like a bully thing where if you yeah. display power that way the next generation is just going to replicate yeah and I, I saw that in high school, and that's why I was kind of turned off to Korean culture. I'm like, no, like, just because you're older than me doesn't make you a wiser person. It makes you, you know, just an older person. <laughs> that's it, you know? Yeah, for sure. They have still some ways to go, like a pretty long way to go. Yeah. Um, the power dynamic, yes. I think also another problem is it's just a taboo to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So the discussion can't be open. I think with social media, um, it's getting better. People are being called out for past bullying. They're being quote unquote canceled or like they lose their jobs, they lose their pensions. You know, people who are like in the position of being a judge or a prosecutor or coaches, like all of these authority 
figures. Mm -hmm. um, people are calling them out. And I think that's really, really great. I agree. <laughs> so people are being held accountable. But yes, we still have quite a way to go. Yeah. I I remember the last time I went to Korea. It was 2015. And um that's so recent. Well, yeah, recent well, kind of relatively. But um <laughs> I, I went for a model United Nations conference and it was my me and my friend we were competing and we won uh, the competition in our in our committee it was a big deal oh. we all was happy especially winning it in Korea to me it felt quite special mm -hmm. and not like it's not like the entire city what you know saw me we're like oh my god Jason won it's not like the entire country came out for you but like whatever <laughs> it's like it's not <laughs> special <laughs> and, and um I just remember being there and I remember seeing Korea and I remember just walking around and I felt so different. Everyone was looking at me in a particular way, the way I dressed, the way my skin tone was much darker than most. I think the way I carried myself was very Western and they just detected that immediately. And I remember this one time, this, this happened like throughout my stay where I would speak in Korean, they'd hear my accent and then they always assume I'm American. So they're like, oh, are you from LA? I'm like, oh no, I'm not from LA, I'm from Canada. They're like, oh, are you from Vancouver? I'm not from Vancouver. Are you from Toronto? I'm like, I'm not from Toronto. <laughs> and they're like, so where are you from? As if like I'm the broken one. And so they're like, where are you from? And I said, uh, I'm from Montreal. They're like, where's Montreal? I was like, that's the French speaking part of, of Canada. They're like, there's a French speaking part of Canada. Oh, and, and then they asked me, and then they're, they're, they're lost, they're confused. And I tell them, I was like, do you know McGill? They're like, oh yeah, McGill. I was like, yeah, M McGill is in Montreal. They're like, oh cool. So do you go to McGill? I was like, I don't go to McGill. <laughs> I was just like, 